This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, before you even ask, let me just go ahead and answer it for you. No, it's not going to happen. All right, welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel, and our phone number, 888-898-2525. So just to repeat, no, it's not going to happen. Now, you know, you're turning to Marge and you're saying, Marge, what's he talking about? Dabo Sweeney to Clemson. It's not going to happen. Now that Nick Saban is retiring, I know everybody thinks that Dabo Sweeney will be the first call, will be the first one they would make a move on. To Clemson? What do you mean? I'm teasing you. You said, you said Dabo Sweeney's not going to Clemson. Oh, no, no, no. You know what I mean? Not going to Alabama. Because, I mean, the contract that they uh, approved for him last January 1, 2022, has uh, some rather large buyout numbers in it. and um, I, But that, that aside, even if, even if it didn't, I mean, it would make absolutely no sense professionally. It would make absolutely no sense professionally for Dabo Sweeney to go to Alabama. You're, you're talking about, unless your ego is that big, you're talking about a no-win situation. A no-win situation. Plus, you've got a great situation where you are. I mean, look at how much money you're going to make at Clemson moving forward. And the opportunity to take Clemson back. See, it's not like you'd be leaving on top. Your program has slipped since you won a national championship the last time you have a chance to really reestablish Clemson as a national power if you're able to do it with your personnel and with your current coaches. So I say it ain't going to happen. I don't think you have anything to worry about as far as Clemson is concerned now that the news is coming out that Nick Saban is retiring at the age of 72 after 17 years at Alabama. All right, uh, Bergie's with us from the Bergie Palace, and uh, Pat's here in our studios. And we'll take your phone calls, 888-898-2525. Let's talk about all of this before we talk about all of that. All right, Bergie, you think think Sweeney at all is a possibility at Alabama? Absolutely he is. Now, I think you laid out the reasons he shouldn't take the job professionally, but there is that tug at his heart. I mean, it's his alma mater. And they Alabama would not be doing its due diligence if they didn't check with him first. You've, you've got to place that call and find out his interest level. But I think you, you pointed out all the professional reasons why he wouldn't want to leave, other than the fact is, hey, I want to go back home and coach my alma mater. 
and maybe maintain the standard of excellence, and that'd be really difficult considering Saban won six national championships there in 17 years. I mean, just a remarkable coaching career coming to an end. But I think I, I don't think Dabo gets the job. And, and quite frankly, Phil, I think Alabama may not get a coach that people say, "Wow, that's a great hire." Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have. I think they're going to end up getting somebody that Alabama fans are going to say, "We couldn't do better." Because I think your top flight coaches are in perfect scenarios. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, uh, Kirby Smart at Georgia, you know, even Dan Lanning out at Oregon, who's just gotten that job out there. They're moving into the Big Ten, so there are a lot of positives with that program. I don't think you land one of these high-profile names, even with Alabama cachet, because the high-profile guys already have high-profile jobs, and they probably don't want to follow Nick Saban because it might be, especially if you're a younger guy, it's career suicide because there's no way you can maintain what he did at Alabama. The flip side of this, too, Phil, I think you're going to start seeing coaches in – let's take Kirby Smart, for instance – young to sort of mid-age coaches who don't want to deal with NIL anymore, who don't want to deal with the transfer portal, they may actually be more more apt to take an NFL job. saw a report right before we went on the air that actually has Kirby Smarts with some interest with the Atlanta Falcons job, more so than, than possibly going to Alabama. And I think you're going to see some coaches, you know, sort of my age in their early 50s, late 40s, who say, I've, I've, I'm fed up with this. I don't want to deal with having to recruit, 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 and then re-recruit, recruit, recruit all this time. I can go to the NFL, make just as much money, if not more, mm-hmm. and I don't have to be player personnel and GM as well. Let's look at Sweeney's numbers from the contract that started January 1, 2022, runs through the end of 2031. So this season, he from Clemson had a total compensation of 10750000 it goes to 11 million next year and eventually in 31 12 million 500 per year now you know that'll change between now and then and of course there are the buyouts uh for example if he were to be terminated uh with cause i'm sorry if he were to be terminated without cause at clemson like after uh, let's just say they said hey dabo we're firing you it'll be 64 million dollars you know as of today, uh, after next year, it's uh, sixty million, and sixty million after twenty-five. But there's a clause in here strictly for Alabama, and if he left for the Alabama job now after the twenty-three season, he would owe Clemson seven and a half million dollars. So, well, Alabama would owe Clemson seven. He's not paying that. Well, you know yeah, that. he, them, whoever. It goes down to six, then the four and a half, four and a half, three, three, one and a half. And then in 2031, should he want to become the head coach at Alabama, he's free to go. No charge as it stands now. So seven and a half million to start. And then if he's making 11 million at Clemson per year, then, you know, what would it take for Alabama to get him? 15 million a year? 13 million a year? 15 million a year? What would they be paying? So you're talking about starting out. 20 plus million right out of the sh- right out of the shoot for your new coach. I mean Alabama could obviously afford it, but would they want to do that? I just don't think money aside, I just don't think I just don't think they go there. I just don't think they go there. I think they go somewhere else. Um lineage maybe somewhere down you know, from the tree somewhere, I don't know, in the staff, I don't know. Um 
there's going to be a lot of names, no doubt, thrown around. Don't forget NFL types who might uh, – yeah. Might take a look. Would Harbaugh be interested? Would he take a look if he decides to leave Michigan? I don't know. Would you, if you want to leave college, why would you want to stay in college? You know, if you're thinking about going to the NFL. But here is, um, you know, the uh, the 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 wheel uh, turns now with this job opening. The domino effect will happen if a, a sitting head coach. Um, goes there, you know, and uh, and then assistant coaches will be moving. You know, South Carolina loses Jody Wright. He becomes the head coach at Murray State today. And last night, as a preemptive move, I guess it was a preemptive move earlier, but it became uh, reported last night that uh, South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer had already gotten his guy in place, and that is uh, a highly re- highly regarded guy, James Coley. This is a well-respected football coach, James Coley, a guy that's been a coordinator at uh, Florida State, at Miami, at Georgia, at Texas A&M, tight ends and receivers, highly regarded coach. I imagine it's going to cost them a little bit more to get him than what it was to pay uh, Jody Wright, I think. Uh, But South Carolina uh, still has one opening on their spot, on their staff, of course, at the running back position. So mm-hmm. uh, things are still happening. You know, it's the thing about college football. It never really rests, whether it's uh, coaching moves, transfers, um, overall regular recruiting. Uh, there's never really a, a break in it. So, and the other big news, of course, um, today, if you're Pete Carroll, you're like, well, it's a great time for me to get fired. Uh, <laughs> Pete Carroll with the Seahawks, overshadowed now by this Nick Saban news. But uh, Pete Carroll... Uh, going to be removed as the head coach of the Seahawks, so he's going to stay on uh, as an advisor to the team. He said, "Is he seventy-two? I think he's seventy-two as well. Seventy-two must be the magic number today Evidently when so. it comes to coaches, huh?" Evidently so. And here's some solid reporting by uh, one of the national pundits, Colin Cowherd. He says, "Kalen DeBoer and Dabo Sweeney are the two names he's hearing for Alabama." Really. You're stunned. Mm. I, I, that's that's earth-shattering news there, broken by Colin. But yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, we're going to start seeing a lot of reports, and and until and you can't even believe it. if Dabo were to come out right now and say he has no interest in Alabama, would you believe it? Yes. Okay, I would. I don't believe Dabo Sweeney is going to toy with this thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a statement not out by the time we go off the air that appreciate all the conversation, appreciate the thought, but I'm a Clemson Tiger, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm happy with what I've got. I got a beautiful house. I got a beautiful wife. I got a beautiful family. I'm making $11 million. I'm in a league I can usually win if we just show up. And what else could I need? And what could I prove about going to Alabama and replacing Nick, that I can go in and win like Nick Saban did? Or would I rather stay where I'm at so that when I retire, the person that follows me can say, I can try to win like Dabo Sweeney did? Right. Just hey, doesn't like make any earlier, sense. Doesn't make any sense out, to me. You laid out every professional reason he should stay where he is. I just wonder how much of the pull to Alabama, you know, when, it, when mama calls, you got to take the phone call, right? Mm, sometimes you put mama on hold. <laughs> if you got other things going on, Pat, don't you? Don't you sometimes put mama on hold? For sure. And I may have missed Chris saying this, but uh, even it's worth repeating even if he did say it, but 
How does the whole Clemson potentially leaving the ACC fall into this? Did y'all mention that angle as well with Dabo Sweeney? Did not. Because you got to think there, if Florida State pushes to move, and if maybe Clemson, this is all hypothetical, of course, decides not to move, or maybe they do move, maybe that plays a role in the back of Dabo Sweeney's mind. I don't really know, because right now the, the future is very uncertain for the ACC. We've talked about it on this show, could we potentially see the ACC go the way of the Pac-12? And we don't know that. But that, I think, may play a role here. And then, like Chris says, when Mama calls, you got to at least answer the phone. You don't, you don't press the ignore button, ignore button on Mama. So I don't think he goes either. I'm with you, Phil. I don't think there's a – I hope this is okay to say on the radio – a snowball's chance in hell of him leaving. Mm. But if he were, also this season, he had some pretty poignant words for Clemson fans out there. I don't remember the exact quotes off the top of my head. But even talking about the Tyler from wherever that called in and, and they had that animated back and forth – then Clemson, I'm sorry, Dabo, if I remember correctly, did call Clemson fans or po- fans in general part of the problem. Some and, of them. Sorry, some yeah, fans yeah, as part yeah, of the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah that small. Yeah, let's make sure we get this right. Small yeah. portion. Yeah, thank said. you. Yeah. But I can't help but wonder, does that play a role here? Maybe he's, maybe he is sick and tired of being in one place and wants to try somewhere else. Again, I do not think there is a chance whatsoever that he leaves. I'm with you professionally. I just don't. I just don't see the point, and you don't ever want to follow the guy. You want to be the guy, but do you really want to follow somebody like Nick Saban? I don't mm. think so. I mean, somebody and has to. Thinks. Phil Bingston had to follow Vince Lombardi. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? Ray <laughs> Perkins well. Ray Perkins had yeah. to follow Bear Bryant. Yeah. How'd that work out for you him? You want to be Gene Stallings in, in that scenario, and if yeah. he thinks Clemson fans are spoiled, he doesn't want to take the Alabama job then. Yeah, right. Yeah. Alabama fans run light years around Tiger fans about being spoiled and what their expect- expectations are. All right. Uh, phone number, 888-898-2525. 888 Also tonight, we'll get right to your phone calls. Uh, South Carolina, boy, what a putrid second half by the Gamecocks last night. Putrid. Six of 22 from the floor. You're one down at the break. And then six minutes in, you're down 14 because you go, how about this, from a stretch late in the first half to about the 14-minute mark of the second half, more or less, one for 17 from the floor for the Gamecocks. They forgot how to shoot. And Alabama built that double-digit lead. The Gamecocks never got closer than 10 lead continued to grow defense broke down because the offense broke down and mark sears went off for 31 so we'll hear from lamont paris uh coming up tonight also a little bit more uh, lamont paris and nate oaks commenting about the late technical foul the late double technical foul kind of interesting not a back and forth but two different comments about that incident from each of the coaches we'll bring that to you Clemson tonight up at Virginia Tech. Tigers trying to get off the schneid. And they play Virginia Tech. Tigers 11-3, 1-2. Tech is 9-5, and 1-2. That game is going to tip off tonight, 7 o'clock, up at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg. And the Tigers have won two in a row over Virginia Tech. And uh, they are 14-7 and all time. Losers seven of four. They are seven and fourteen. They've lost seven of twenty-one in Blacksburg all time. So, not a good place for them to play from the standpoint of their history. See if the Tigers can get it straightened out tonight. Have a complete game. Get a road W and get back on the right track. There's other basketball that we will talk about. There's recruiting. Uh, we talked about the changes on the Gamecock staff. Thoughts on that as well. 
A quick take on that. Uh, uh, Chris, I think, uh, I, I, I think the hire of, um, uh, of Coley is a very good hire you know, based on his history and based on the jobs he has held at very high-level positions. Seems like it, and from what I understand, he was an outstanding recruiter everywhere he has been as well, and so that would certainly help. And uh, in, in terms of where he's been, don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, that name didn't really register when I heard about him this morning, but it seems like a very good hire for Shane Beamer. And one, if I'm not mistaken, he's got tight end coaching experience, so he gets slot right in where Jody Wright has, has left. So it, it appears that, as you pointed out, that may have been a preemptive strike knowing that Jody was going to take the job at Murray State. And I am curious, as I asked you earlier, is Jody Wright the coach to be named later in the trade many, many years ago from the basketball side <laughs> when Steve Newton took over at USC. Is, is uh, Jody Wright the coach that goes yeah. back to Murray State? I'd say that uh, they should only send Murray State a bag of potatoes for that trade. I think they way overpaid with Jody Wright if that's part of the deal. There's sure. no doubt. Okay, no doubt. let's get to some phone calls. Folks are standing by waiting to join us on the program. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you right here on Sports Talk. We'll update some other news notes for you as well as we uh, go through the night. But, of course, everything turned with the Nick Saban announcement uh, or the reporting. And um, and then, of course, uh, I guess eventually. Have they actually put out the official word besides just the reporting? Has Alabama acknowledged uh, factually that this is indeed happening? The only reports I've seen is he actually talked to his team mm-hmm. that he is retiring. So, I mean, if he's told his team, he's smart enough to realize as soon as he opens his mouth, regardless of if anybody's in the room or not, it will get out. So my guess is the reporting is spot on if yeah. he's told his team. I would think so. I see a story where they're saying that ESPN has long eyed him as the replacement for Corso. But I'm telling you, I mean, there's no replacement for a healthy Corso. There's no replacement. Saban would fail miserably in that role if you're looking for the the funny, grandpopish type of uh, Saturday morning kooky guy to have on your on your show. I mean, he he would be good. Don't get me wrong in whatever role they put him in as far as an analysis type of thing and talk. But you know, cutting it up and having fun and all that. I I, I don't think Nick Saban goes down that lane at all. Okay, he's been pretty good on the Pat McAfee show. I will, I will throw that out there. I don't know if he's a regular guest or he's just he's, well, he's on there paid a million dollars. Sure, but he's on yeah. there quite a bit. And he <laughs> he actually has shown a lot of his personality that I don't think we've really gotten to see much from a coaching perspective. Saw so where uh, McAfee fired Aaron Rodgers too. So there you go. Let's go to Adam in Charleston, leading us off tonight here on Sports Talk. Adam, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Hey, good evening. Uh, so I. I want to preface this by saying I'm not an Alabama fan at all. However, um, I, I actually disagree with you guys on, on two different things. Um, the, the first thing I disagree with is that Alabama would have much interest in a Sweeney based solely on his absolute um, lack of uh, portal recruiting and how much he absolutely just hates the portal because that's kind of part of, building a, a championship roster now, unfortunately. Um, and then the the other thing would be, I, I really do think that they'll make a splash higher. I, I know, you know, that there's a lot of high-profile coaches that are, you know, kind of entrenched in, in their universities. But, I mean, 
nobody thought Brian Kelly was going to go from Notre Dame to LSU. Um, you know, so I, I, I do think that they'll make a splash higher because it is Alabama. I mean, there's that's probably the number one coaching job in, in major college football. So I, I, I think I, I think that you're correct and Swinney's not going anywhere, but I also think Alabama would have less interest in him because of the whole transfer portal thing. And I, I do think that they'll do something big like DeBoer, like Lanning, or you know, some somebody along those lines. Let me throw a couple of names out there. Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Will Muschamp. <laughs> nah, I'm not being totally Gamecock serious. Fans, I'm just I throwing think names fans out there. would love to see that. Jimbo Can't Fisher. Take over Alabama. Will Muschamp. Um, how about uh, let me think? Let me think. Let me. How about think. Mel Tucker? If he can get his oh. the stuff going on off the field that got him canned at Michigan State, if uh. he can get that behind him and actually get that resolved and being found not guilty of whatever happened there, what about but, him? But 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 can you roll the dice on that? I mean, how long is it going to take for anything to be resolved in that case? Fair point. I mean, can you? You can't sit back and wait. Um, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. What's wrong with Jimbo Fisher? I'm just throwing a name out there. What's wrong with Jimbo Fisher? Why do people hate Jimbo Fisher? Weren't don't don't he and Saban have a history? I mean, a positive history with one another. I have to look that up. I, yeah, but I mean, he just got fired the way he did at Texas A and M. Do you do you really think he'd get a shot at a place like Alabama? But I mean, people realize Texas A and M is unreasonable. You know, of course. If, I mean. Well, from I mean, reason- Alabama's not right. And reasonably <laughs> speaking, did he do well at, at Texas A and M? I'm just saying. I mean, he national championship coach. He has won everywhere he has been. Maybe he didn't win enough. Obviously, he didn't win enough at Texas A and M. Right. But I mean, he's 120 and 48 overall. 83 and 23 at Florida State. Dominated a league like Saban dominated his league. Well, maybe not, but pretty close. Um, I think Lane Kiffin's going to get a call. Lane Kiffin. Definitely got to call him, I would think. But he's building quite a program at Ole Miss as well. But, I mean, Alabama comes calling. He, I don't know how you compete with that. He would leave before the phone hung up. <laughs> well, and, that, to and go I to think Alabama. That's, that, that's the kind of hire yeah. that, that they could make. And it, it would be one that Lane Kiffin would be all fired up about because you know he would love to have that kind of spotlight on him. as part of the reason so you he took think, the Southern Cal job. You think a former lieutenant like that, who uh, worked behind the scenes and then moved on because Kiffin was there at Alabama Yep, with Saban. Mm-hmm. I could, that's a great call right there. It's a great call. All right, let's go back to the phones, 888-898-2525. Hank in Columbia, welcome in to the program. How are you? Doing fine, Tony. Getting dodged. I should be first up, but I know you jumped somebody over there. But, <laughs> not, um, not, I, hey. I read them as Pat puts them on the list. That was me, Hank. I'll take that because we had a we had a new caller. I didn't remember uh, Adam in Charleston before, so I wanted to get him in. Uh, uh, yeah. See, if you're but, not uh, new, you get penalized. Yeah, I'm I'm here down in Alabama, and a lot of the talk with a lot of people in this restaurant is that Lane Kiffin. They say he's had a one that they they feel like he's had the um, he's maintained a good relationship with Kiffin since he left, and. Him behind this machine, all these people seem to think that it's going to be Kiffin because he's got the ego to come after Saban, but he's got, you know, his play calling and acumen will be one that he would love to go up against some of these playoff teams with that armor behind him. Okay. 
I could see that. I could mm-hmm. I could understand that. Makes that sense. makes a lot of sense. Sure does. A lot of I'm not saying what it's going to be, but there's a lot of that here. They all think uh, Kiffin is going to be one that they would definitely go to. And that would be the only thing with, uh, you know, that the Alabama coach has always been like a tactician. On it. it would just switch, you know, Saban, of course, was worked heavily um, on the defensive side. And they feel like Kiffin would do the same on the offensive side. They feel like uh, what he's done at Ole Miss is, is kind of solidified that he'd be the one. He, you remember when Clemson beat him, he went and got Kiffin, and Kiffin came back and got him that next championship. That's right. That's right. I think it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense here early out of the shoot to consider Lane Kiffin. All right. Thank you, Hank. You need to get back to South Carolina quickly so you can get away from that background noise that has hampered you each of your last three phone calls from Alabama. We'll continue with your calls after the break, folks. Be right back. Rocking and rolling on this Wednesday night. Good to have you with us here on Sports Talk, where the sports fans of South Carolina come to partay. This is Partay Central for sports in South Carolina. I am the lead reveler, joined by fellow partygoers, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel, and the phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you on Sports Talk. Back to calls in just a moment. I want to remind you, and by the way, thankfully the storms have moved out of South Carolina. feel terrible for the folks of Bamberg. Got uh, hit terribly, terribly hard by a tornado, apparently. Downtown Bamberg yesterday did a lot of damage. Hope everybody's okay. You can always clean up and, and build again. That's the good news. So hopefully that will be the case there in Bamberg. But now that the weather is nicer and we got uh, sunshine, we're thinking about the spring and the summer. You think about it as well. Make your plans to get down to the coast, get down to Pauley's and to Garden City and Surfside and all those great areas. Litchfield, let Jimmy Smith put you in a great accommodation. 843-237-4246, pauleysvacationrentals.com. Just make that quick call and he'll take care of everything. Jimmy and the staff will do whatever it takes to put you in the right spot at the right price. That number is 843-237-4246. That website is pauleysvacationrentals.com. Pete Themmel, ESPN, has listed some buyouts for, as he calls them, potential. I always have a problem when the pundits start throwing names out there and calling them uh, candidates. Well, I guess he's saying potential candidates. So he's not calling these candidates. He's saying potential candidates. So I give him a pass. Dan Lanning at 20 mil. Kalen DeBoer at 12. As we told you, Sweeney at 7.5. James Franklin at 6. And Mike Norvell at 4. But he also mentioned. James Franklin done at Penn State to earn an opportunity to coach at Alabama. Yeah. Please. I agree with that. He also mentioned keep an eye on Lane Kiffin, not in this tweet, but in another tweet. He, he mentioned that. One other one out there just want to throw out, but I don't know how you would leave a program of this caliber. What about Steve Sarkeesian at Texas? Yeah, that's another one that worked for Saban. Yeah, because he, he went from Bama to Texas, right? Yes, he did. 
as the head can't coach. Can't beat them, hire them? I guess. But then also I can't <laughs> think about the – gosh. Uh, well, he beat him the previous year. Right. But with Texas and Oklahoma entering the SEC, you just always wonder about the mindset. Did it feel like the perfect moment because of hopefully nothing health-related? But was it an age thing? Was it a mixture of the portal, the NIL? Maybe it was accumulation of all these factors. Was it also the expansion of the SEC, the expansion of the playoff? Did he maybe think there would be a harder path moving forward? Just always kind of wonder what the psyche is or the mindset of why why now? Because after the national champion, sorry, after the national semifinal loss, I realized he was maybe a prisoner of the moment. But it sure seemed like in his post game press conference and the next day, reflecting on the season a bit. He was talking about things he wanted to work on and correct for next season. Did not seem to indicate any way, shape, or form that he was thinking about retiring. Yeah, well, this strikes me a lot like what we heard from Cliff Ellis about a month or so ago when he announced he was stepping down and retiring early before the season was over. What Coach Ellis said was the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, at least at his level. Now, Saban's got a much bigger pie from which to pull, but uh, his point was it's a challenge I can't overcome. And I'm wondering if Saban felt the same way. You know, NIL, transfer portal, that's a young man's game. I don't need to deal with it anymore. Only thing I would say differently is Cliff was losing his best players to other teams. Sure, sure. And Saban would lose a good player, maybe a best player to position, but he would go get another one of equal or better quality, like the mm-hmm. linebacker from Tennessee, for example, um, Teo Teo. Uh, yeah, Teo Teo. So, um, it, but, you know, it seems to me like these things might not get him down because he participated willingly in the transfer portal, had no trouble taking players, knew he was losing players, had no trouble taking players, had no trouble with his players getting paid. Gobs of money even said back when Bryce Young was there, when it first all started, he goes, yeah, I got a quarterback's making a million dollars. He just sort of laughed about it. didn't bother him. Mm-hmm. I don't get the feeling he's beat down by that. I just think yeah. maybe 72 um, – what nine SEC championships at Alabama? What seven national championships total? Yep. Um, if I'm naming all the numbers right, yeah, seven Natties, eleven SEC championships, one MAC championship, five times S, five time SEC Coach of the Year, two times Paul Bear Bryant Award winner, two times Walter Camp Coach of the Year, two times AP Coach of the Year, two hundred ninety-seven, seventy-one, and one overall record. You know, some greatest point, college resume of all time. Yeah. I don't, I don't you, know how you can argue that point. I imagine, of course, we're not there. None of us are here. But, I mean, you, you reach that point where that little voice in your head just gets louder and louder, and you finally listen to it, you know? And, again, that would make me lean to Lane Kiffin with a lot of what we're talking about and what Chris mentioned, whether the portal played a role or not. I get it, Phil. You don't think it did. Lane Kiffin, the self-proclaimed portal king in each of the last two seasons, he seemingly has gone out and gotten any player he's wanted. Let's go to Gamecock Larry. In Swansea, and I will go ahead and announce it for Gamecock Larry, he is not a candidate for the Alabama job. Larry, oh, welcome darn. in. Hope you're doing well. well. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I've been listening to you all trying to talk Dabo out of Alabama. Dabo, this is Gamecock Larry from Swansea, South Carolina. Mama's going to call you from Alabama. You're going to say, bye-bye, Clemson. I'm on the way. <laughs> it will be announced before Friday, 12 p.m. Alabama, the Chuck 
the moving van is backing up to my door today. Dabo be on the way. Coming to home. Clemson, bye-bye. I love you all, but it's time for me to go. Dabo is gone. Dabo is gone, Clemson. Talk to you later. Love all y'all. I love Bama Bound. Roll, Tide Roll. <laughs> All right, thank you, Larry. That sounds like more wishing than actually. Yeah, I agree. Expecting, if- <laughs> I think he'd like to see Clemson have to look for a coach right now. You know what would? All right, let's just play devil's advocate. Devil's advocate. They hire Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Where does Clemson turn? Well, first off, I don't think they have anybody on the staff they'd be comfortable handing that job off to. Do they? I mean, Garrett you know, Riley, it- Jeff Scott. You, do you want to hire Jeff Scott? No, not really. I'm just thinking of possibilities out there. Now, Riley's an interesting name, but, I mean, that's it, it's a different place than it was when Dabo took the job, right? I mean, do you want to hire somebody off the staff? Do you want to do what Alabama's going to obviously do and go hire as, as big a name as they possibly can? It's, that's a great question. And what happens if – and let's throw this back into the mix too. What happens if Jim Harbaugh leaves? You've got Michigan and Alabama open the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Which is, which is the more interesting job for a lot of folks around the country. Bill Belichick to Alabama. <laughs> Obviously Jim, joking. Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher. But, but to answer your question directly, I, I guess on the staff, Phil at Clemson, Garrett Riley would be the, the logical choice. But do they, would Graham Neff want to do that? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It's a great question. Get All the right. Riley brothers together. Bring in Lincoln from Southern Cal, too, and get, get the two of them on staff. 888-898-2525. South Carolina. Bring back Danny Ford. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number. We go to game. Oh, okay. Uh, before the break here, let's go to, he calls himself Triple T. His, uh, his family calls him Oliver, but most of us know him as the ABA, the angry black man. ABA, what's happening? Welcome in. How are you? Good afternoon, fellas. First of all, all y'all cut the bull out. Dabo is not on Alabama radar. Y'all wish we're thinking, I wish the hell he would leave. First of all, Dabo cannot lose full game at Alabama. Dabo cannot lose two ball games. He cannot lose to Tennessee and Auburn in the same year, he would get fired. Ask Bill Curry. I'm saying that. So all y'all folks, that crazy guy who got Dabo's name on there, Dabo, look here. Dabo is not. First of all, they don't care about Dabo religion and that foolishness he's talking about. Alabama is the, the Kentucky of football. You got to compete for the national championship every year. Every year. Losing four game in Alabama ain't gonna happen, Captain. Ain't gonna happen. So Dabo, y'all ain't got to worry about it. I wish the hell he would leave, go someplace because Clemson is done. We're not gonna win another national championship with Dabo. Dabo not, is not an X and O man. Nick Saban worked with the defensive back in Alabama. Alabama, Dabo just walk up the field and down and just mess with ball players like he messed with uh, Terry Kennard's son. So. That's not going to happen, Captain. No, you ain't got to worry about it, so I'm saying. I wish it was happening because I need him to get out of there. 
See y'all later, man. I'm a Clemson Tiger, but not a Dabo fan. And what Dabo did to Terry Kellogg, that's a black eye. And you ain't got to worry about it. Allegedly. Never happened, Captain. Take care. All right. Thank you. That's why they call him the ABA. Or I do. ABM. Yeah, ABA. ABA. So we just had somebody ABM. on our stream. This is an interesting name. Somebody on our stream, Stanley Green, just said, how about Urban Meyer? I don't think that's a no, fit at all. No. but No. Yeah. I do have odds that have come out from Bet Online, and Dan Lanning is listed by Vegas 3-1. to one. Huh. Huh. The number two favorite, Dabo Sweeney at 4-1. to one. All right, listen. This is one time. We always say, what does Vegas know that the rest of us do not know? Yeah. This is one time that we know more than Vegas. I seem to think so. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Four to one. But, Lane <laughs> Kiffin is five to one. Deion Sanders at six. Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. That's an interesting name. Six to mm-hmm. one. I'm talking about playing in the portal. Kalen DeBoer, six to one. Pat Schumer. I'm sorry, Pat Shermer. Uh, nine to one. Urban Meyer, 10 to one. Billy Napier, 14 to one. See if um, Shane Beamer's on this list. Dan Le- Fisher is 100 to one. Dan Lanning, by the way, looking at his contract, he received an extension a few months ago, and he has a $20 million buyout on his if he were to leave and go somewhere else. Yes. Ha ha, Clinton and- Dix is 75 to one. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they put his name in there? Ha ha. Well, he, he's he not be, coaching, he is coaching. he? Uh, is he coaching be. somewhere? I think, I think he's at Alabama. Okay. And and by the way, to to follow up on Triple T's point, do you know outside uh, of his first season at Alabama, Nick Saban never lost more than three games? Yeah. And we're already He's seeing right. it now. The <laughs> decommitments right. have started. The the big time receiver, Ryan Williams, has announced a decommitment from Alabama. So get ready. This is what happens. It's tough to go through a coaching change. It's tough to go through a legend coaching change. And uh you're gonna see portal activity and decommitment activity now coming up. At, uh, at 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 Alabama, what you got, Pat? Just one more quick stat here. I'm just coming across no class recruited at Alabama by Nick Saban played four years without winning a national championship. Huh. That's incredible. Isn't that nice to say? Uh, All right, amazing. we got to hit the break, and we'll be back. Phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Coming up after the top of the hour break, Coach John Combs, little uh, hooping and hollering here on Sports Talk. And we'll have the recruiting report for you. And we'll have the comments from Lamont Paris from the Gamecocks lost last night. Where else? At Alabama. That's where it's happening. We'll be back after the break. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation 
not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. We are back on Sports Talk, phone number 888-898-2525. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Taking your phone calls and talking about the deal with Alabama, Nick Saban. Of course, South Carolina with some coaching moves of their own. Lesser variety, Jody Wright leaving to become the head coach at Murray State. And the Gamecocks reaching out to uh, what was part of the Texas A&M staff back in the day. A guy that... uh, has been around and coached at a very high level wherever he has been at the major college level. That's James Coley. So I think that's a good hire from what I can tell from his resume. Looks to be a good hire by Shane Beamer for James Coley to be to be the uh, apparently the new tight ends coach. Still has to hire a running back coach. A lot of scuttlebutt uh, about the running backs coach at Liberty. Last name Isaac. And oh, Newland Isaac? Yes. He's on the staff with Jamie at uh, at Coastal as well. And he's out of uh, Lower Richland High School. And so that name is being uh, bandied about uh, a little bit. Also, before they bandied that name about, they bandied about the name of the uh, running back coach at Arkansas, um, which I think is Jimmy Smith, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) He might even uh, sell you some property uh, out in Arkansas, but he's a South Carolina native as well. So, But sounds like – the running back coach from Liberty might be the the favored, the favored one at this point. So, uh, and and there are those who believe that Shane Beamer is not done changing up his staff. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But there are some who believe that more changes are to come. Do you think if he were to make more changes, Chris, if he were to make more changes, where do you think he would go? Offense, defense, where do you think he would go? 
Well, if you're not going to, you've already, and it's unfair for Hardesty, but I mean, you've already attacked one area where you struggle, and that's the running game. Do you also make a move on the offensive line, which has not performed all that well the last couple of years? And do you make a change on the defense? I, I just don't know. I, I would think if he's going to, if he is making another change, we'll probably see it come on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Don't you? Uh, I mean, I, I guess. Um, I mean, where would you I mean, go? I think, I think Are you blaming done. Clayton White? I mean, I, thought, I yeah. thought Clayton White had done a pretty good job with the defensive front. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry, the linebackers. He coached the linebackers. But coordinating, you know, I mean, he made changes. Yeah. They adjusted the defense. You know, they went from um, – that four two five to more of a three three look, or I guess it was more of a three two six look, right? Um, I mean, he he did what he had to do with the personnel available to him. Right. Um, he I think was he's hurt. Done he was hurt. Changes. He was hurt after uh, this past not this season the the previous season by you know guys leaving a couple of defensive ends in particular. Mm-hmm. It took off. But you think he's done making changes? I do. I do. I think this is probably the last one, unless somebody leaves. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if he anticipated Jody Wright would be leaving. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I don't know how you can anticipate a guy taking an opportunity to go be a head coach. You, you can't fault him for that. So that job opened up, but it looked like he'd already had a plan in place in case that happened. So maybe if it, maybe he's done, assuming that his staff is done. Making yes. moves. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we continue with your phone calls, 888-898-2525. And it is going to be, oh, HaHa Clinton Dix is the Director of Player Development at uh, Alabama. All right, so he is there. Uh, is it Keith in Camden with us next? Hello, Keith, how are you? Doing great, Phil, Chris, Pat. Um, just a comment and then uh, take y'all's response. Uh, you know, 15 years ago, I, I look at Lane Kiffin and uh, pretty much spoiled brat, leaves Tennessee in one night. But what I've seen is is a young guy that's matured and is a heck of a ball coach. So it would be hard to believe that they wouldn't take a hard look at him. But i tell you who I think uh, – I'd love to have in Columbia. You look at the job that the guy at Missouri's done the last five years. That guy is a game preparer uh, coach. What, what position is, do you want him for in Columbia? What what part of the staff? Uh, well, I, you want you want me to answer that off the air or on the air? <laughs> I mean, I, you're saying you. There, I think he's talking about a lateral move. You want him still. as the running backs coach? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, no, no. I'm basically saying if if you look at coaches around the country, the Missouri head coach is as good as they come. Looking at what he inherited five years ago and where he's at today and the way he preps for different teams, uh, he would be a great candidate. But Lane Kippen, uh, how can you not have him uh, – in the conversation. Uh, and Debo, yeah, I'm a Carolina fan. Debo's done a great job. I think he's uh, sort of like a uh, CEO. And uh, I don't know if that works in Alabama. It might. But, uh, heck, maybe if he leaves, we'll win more ball games, uh, <laughs> beating Clemson. So, but, well, see, now uh, you shouldn't – you, you should not – you should not base <laughs> your own future on what Clemson does. You need to Look, rise up and – and catch Clemson and beat them 
look on your own on your own uh, strength. Well, look, Dabo's a great coach, and if he decides to do it, I support him. I'm more concerned about what's going on in Columbia and uh, what would be the criteria for us hiring a running back coach based on the last three and a half years, which has been uh, pretty. I give it a F minus. Hmm. So, what do we what do we look for? You know, are we just bringing people in and then figuring out where we're gonna put them? Uh, that's a critical position that uh, we uh, have done a poor job. So, if you're Shane Beamer, what are you looking for? Join the show. Y'all have a good evening. Thanks. Thank well, you. you know, they had Thomas Brown before, right? And he left, went the NFL route. Now he's like an up-and-comer with the Panthers. Well, he was with the Panthers. I guess he's still with the Panthers. Maybe the new coach will keep him. Um, and then, I'm trying to remember the running back coaches that that followed, of course, Hardesty was the original running backs coach on this staff. Um, and now you're, you're, you know, it sounds like if it's going to be the, the running backs coach from Liberty, Coach Isaac, I mean, kind of a nondescript hire there. It's not a flashy hire. No. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Beamer obviously sees some things in him, his state connections, his recruiting, his youth. Uh, his ability to uh, relate to those players. Of course, Hardesty wasn't old either. He's a young guy as well. So, I mean, what would this guy bring to the table that Hardesty did not if this is the guy you're going to hire, especially a young, unproven guy from a lower-level program? You know, what do you see in him? Obviously, he'll say a bunch of good things, and maybe he'll be the right guy if that's who it is. Got to hit the break here, top of the hour. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. I'm tired of talking about Saban. Let's go hooping. Let's go hooping. We got college basketball. Give you some early numbers. Seven, four, six, eight, and two. That's a joke, people. Seven, early four, numbers. Six, eight, and two. Just giving you some early numbers. I like them. Virginia Tech up on Clemson, nine, six. Tennessee, eight, seven on Mississippi State. Miami, eight, three on Louisville. Winthrop, five, nothing on Presbyterian. Charleston Southern and Gardner Webb, two, two. And my favorite early number, Wofford 1 and Mercer nothing. <laughs> two. When we say early, we mean early. And Furman <laughs> 4, the Citadel 2. All right, hooping and hollering time here on Sports Talk as we try to talk some high school basketball in our state along with some college basketball. We welcome in Coach John Combs from the South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association, also the AD over at Wild and Wonderful Spring Valley High School. Coach. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing outstanding tonight. How are y'all doing? Man, we're just having a blast, just having a blast. So in your mind, since we've uh, got into this uh, this part of the, the high school basketball season in South Carolina, the holiday play is behind us, region play is underway, but did we have a lot of games messed up last night because of the weather? 
I don't know if there was a single high school game played last night. Everybody that I talked to were canceled, postponed to tonight or another night. So tonight is really when uh, a lot of our region games are really kicking off. Well, that makes it kind of tough on these guys, right? I mean, I know it's basketball, uh, but you'll have a you'll have a condensed week because they'll still try and play on Friday. So you're going to play like Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, it is. But, you know, Phil, I mean, these guys play in these Christmas tournaments. They play three days in a row. It, it's not that big of a deal. It's probably a bigger deal on the coaches than it is the players. Um, I still remember one time when I was at Ridgeview, we were out for seven straight days because it iced over for snow. And first day we came back was a Friday, and we were able to play a game, but we haven't done anything in seven days. And we go out and score 119 points that night for <laughs> the school record. And uh, you know, our guys were like, Coach, we don't need practice. And I was like, well, if you score 119 points, you're probably right. That worked out well for us that one time. Who led you in scoring that night? Uh, I don't know. I think I even had a few points that night. Is what we put up 119. It was, uh, uh, you know, we had a really good team. We had a guy, Jared Johnson, who played at Stephen F. Austin. Matter of fact, one first-round playoff game with Stephen F. Austin back in the day when Coach Mike Boynton was an assistant coach uh, back then. It was, a, it was a really good team we had back in the day. All right, let me uh, drop in a piece of, uh, if I may, Coach, real quick, just seeing this, a piece of uh, football recruiting news, if I can add this because it's breaking news. South Carolina getting a transfer quarterback, familiar name, Davis Bevel, who's from Greenville and who began his career at Pitts. Then he went to Oklahoma. And he's just announced that he is transferring to South Carolina. So I wanted to get that out there while we're talking uh, about things uh, here in, involving the state of South Carolina. So Davis Bevel, who was an excellent high school quarterback, and he started some at Pitt, went to Oklahoma, didn't play very much out there, uh, headed now to South Carolina. Sorry about that, Coach. Wanted to get that in. Let's welcome in your guest that you have uh, tonight to talk high school hoops with you. Go ahead and introduce the uh, the guest we have on the guest line for you. Well, I'm excited tonight. We have Coach Trent Robinson. Uh, he's the head basketball coach at Westwood High School. He's actually in his first year as a head uh, basketball coach. Uh, he, he took over for me when I was at Westwood last year. Coach Robinson actually played uh, for me when I was at Ridgeview. Had an opportunity. He went on to play at the College of Charleston and played under Coach Earl Grant. Hmm. Back in the day, and I actually think uh, Coach Robinson is actually maybe the youngest head varsity basketball coach in the state right now. He is only 26 years old, but I will tell you what, he is um, very deserving of this opportunity, and he's done a great job with that Westwood program. Um, they're off to a 12-1 and start this year, so we're, I'm excited for what he's doing so far. All right, Coach, you are with us, and welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Good. How about yourself? And thank y'all for having me once again. It's great having you. Uh, Coach Combs, I'll let you take over. Well, Coach Robinson, uh, first of all, congratulations on the great start that you've uh, you know, gotten off to so far this year. Now, after starting off 12-1, and one, your reward now is uh, getting to you know, play at Ridgeview High School, your, your old school, and the seventh-ranked team in the country, and going to go play at, a, play at the place where you used to play. How, what are you thinking about the game for this coming Friday? I uh, mean, I think it's a great opportunity, man. I tell my guys every day, like, every game we get is a great opportunity. It's like you said, you know, I have seven seniors. So, 
You think about the last game got pushed to uh, our game yesterday got pushed into um, our game Tuesday got pushed into next Tuesday. So I tell my guys, you can't you, in in this world, you still can't take none of these games for granted. You don't know when you know when you're gonna play the next game because I hear Friday we may not even play. So um, it it is just a real moment off because you know it was a school that I once um, went to and played for. So I know the crowd to be ready. Um, and my players, you know, we've been through these, you know, a couple of days. We've been preparing uh, for, for a nice battle because, like you say, you know, they're, you know, Ridge is off to a great start. But, um, you know, my guys, one thing about them, they, they've been coming ready to play every game, and they're just excited about the game of basketball. And this day, and who, man, you don't know if you get that out of every player. Um, they're excited to come to practice every day. They really love being around each other. So this is a fun group to coach, and I, I can't wait till Friday because it's, you know, we haven't played in a week, and I, I think we'll come out – we should come out with a, a bunch of energy, and and then it's, it will be a hype game between the two rival schools. Well, Coach, you came off of a game where you won at AC floor this past Friday, and that was a tremendous win. Your team played really well in the in the second half. Talk a little bit about your senior, uh, Tavares T.J. Bell, and, and what he means to the program and uh, what, you're, uh, what you've seen out of him this year. Uh, man, he's been great this year. You know, over the past year, you know, he's always been able to um, have a natural field to score the basketball. But, you know, we met um, probably in, in May, late in May, right when I got a job, we as a coaching staff challenged him to be a leader. I said, you can go and score all these points, but if you don't lead this team that looks up to you in the right way, then the points won't matter um, and you won't have a good senior year. So he's taken that challenge um, and really led this group in a positive way. Um, you know, everybody knows, you know, he's, you know, a top player in the state right now, but he's not letting that or the name or his name lead, lead this team. He's letting the work he's putting in, how he communicate with, with guys and how he wants to be around guys. He's letting that um, allow him to lead this team. And, you know, he, if you look at the stats, you know, he probably leads our team and probably maybe every statistical category except rebounding, which he's second in. Um, so, man, he's been huge, but I think the the more important part of that is he's just been a great uh, leader for, you know, we, we have an older team, but we got some new, we got some younger guys, too. So he's been a great leader to them and even leaders to guys that didn't play a lot last year. Um, and, you know, he, so he, he, we want for him to keep up this, uh, the way he's playing now, the way he's leading, um, and try to put a full year out of this. Coach, briefly touch on, you know, your game with uh, Ridgeview coming up this Friday. What makes them so good? Why are they off to a 15-0 and start and ranked seventh in the country? What makes them go? Uh, well, you know, I may be kind of off on this, but I think, you know, it's how much they love each other. I think, uh, you know, when a, a lot of their guys are returners um, and they generally like being around each other, they're even through AAU, you see them guys cheering on each other. So I think – that that brotherhood they got that um togetherness is helping them win these close games and you know they all but they're a tough group they're they're real tough I mean you know it's probably a couple games their back is against the wall not supposed to win and I think they took that approach to saying you know everybody's fitting us to lose so let's go you know shocking so I think just having that edge about themselves would, would make them that you know in that spot right now and then they're led by you know they have two senior um guys that's been with them been with that program for a while so they, they got good leadership there and it's uh to be in it's an older group they've been kind of most together last year so i think all those playing a part of how they're um 
how they are on the court now. Um, playing well, you know, playing right game basketball. Play hard. They they don't really um you know give up on possessions. They see they crash the board. So um you know they they I think they figured out their identity and they're trying to keep moving forward on that. Great. Well, Coach, tell me, one: what have you learned from Coach Earl Grant? You playing with him, who's now the head coach at Boston College. What did you learn your time with him at College of Charleston that's led into your coaching now? Uh, the, the big thing with Coach Grant is, man, you I, it, it's one thing to be a coach, right? But it, it's another thing to be a, a great model and leader and, and where it, people are following you. And through my time with him, I – you know, he shows every day that where, where he's at, that doesn't describe who he is. You know, he's a God-faced person whose back was against the wall against him probably his whole life in the coaching world, and he just continued to work hard and um, figure and figure things out. Uh, you know, he's a big defensive scheme guy, so, you know, I, that's kind of turned my program to me. We do a lot of different defensive stuff, and but – you know, he's just one guy that you know you always call, and not because you know I have a big, you have a big HMO, but you call to get a nice word, a nice like you know life lessons. Um, he's truly a, been a mentor to me, and you know I, I think he he uses his, you know what he's been through through his life. He relates it back to basketball, and in that way, it's kind of when he does that, it shows the team that it's always, you know, it's never impossible. It's always a way. You just gotta keep believing. You gotta, you know keep chopping wood one day at a time. You know, he, he says, you know, labor is how they make this up. They go in, they wake up in the morning, put their belt on, tie their shoes, and they, they grab their eggs and they just chop away and chop away. And then at, if you come and chop away each day, you'll start to see things coming your way sooner or later um, when you believe in what you're doing. So that that's the biggest thing out of him I learned. You know, I can be a coach, but it's more if I be a, a true role model to, you know, my, my program um, because that's how you get the most out of guys. Coach, if I could jump in and ask a quick question to Coach, Coach to Coach, uh, talking with Coach John Combs and Coach uh, Trent Williams. Trent, uh, the experience of playing at the College of Charleston, I would think that would be a pretty cool experience considering where the school is located, the gym right there off of King Street, and uh, you know, just the, the, the social life away from basketball and the ability to walk out of the gym and, and be right there on – on King Street in downtown Charleston, what was what was that like for you? What was the experience like for you living in Charleston and playing for the Cougars? Man, it was amazing to, uh, like you said, to have a city that supports you so much. Um, to be right in the heart of everything, so you're walking everywhere. You know, you got you know, campus is in the middle of downtown Charleston, so it, you know it. It actually prepared you for the real world. It kept you focused because you know, if you're not, you know a person that's focused on your studies and your athletics, then you can get off track there and potentially, you know, end up getting kicked out or going home. So, like, going there, you build, so you build a type of um, – you kind of grew up faster because you got you to gotta understand how to have fun and enjoy Charleston because there's a lot of different things you can do in hmm. this beautiful downtown city. But then you also got to realize, you know, I got to get up for my 8 a.m. class or I got to get up for my 5 a.m. lift session, 6 a.m. workout. So, um and then you just on the playing aspect, man, it, it was amazing to have a city supporting team. Um, you know, they they came to TD Arena, was loud. We needed them loud. Then when we played in the conference championship game right in North Charleston, man, they they made that a home court advantage, packed it out. So it, it was just it was it was almost amazing. And that night, just to see how many you know how much people believe in you, 
our school, the, everything that we got from the school to our, our athletic uh, directors, man, it was it was definitely a life a once in a lifetime moment. Uh, you know, my years there went by super fast, but I really cherished the time with my teammates and, of course, being led by Coach Grant. Yeah, yeah. My producer Pat points out that uh, we have a super fan caller from Charleston. Oh, he we have a caller from Charleston who's a super fan of the Cougars. His name is Sam. You recall the, the young man Sam around the basketball program? He's a team manager, I believe. Yes, yes, Sam. He was always Sam's always good luck, man. Sam, everybody touched Sam before they ran out the locker room. Huh. Yeah, you can't you, you can't forget about Sam, and I'm sure Sam's still the encouraging Cougars. Oh yes, yes he is. Uh, before we let you go, one more question here, and I'll let Coach wrap it up. Youngest coach in in high school basketball in South Carolina, apparently. Have you gotten your first gray hair yet? Uh, yes, my first gray hair was when I when I got the when I when I got the job back in May. But uh, you know, you like you know, like through anything, you're gonna reach bumps through the um, through the way, and you just gotta trust the people around you. You know, I got good mentors I can call every day. You know, Coach Collins is one that's all speed guy. I got a great AD. So you know, you know, I, we face bumps with you know having you know when I had to meet with the returning team. You know, I we put it to a point where you know. I wanted this program to be the way we wanted it to stay. So, you know, if he wasn't aligned with it, you know, we had, you know, had to make some tough decisions. So the tough decisions for me came early. But, you know, at the end, when you start to see some stuff that's paying off in the right direction, it makes you feel good. But, you know, like like anything, it'll always be um, different. It would always be the struggles coming up. You just got to handle them the best you can and uh, continue to move on. And, it, you know, when you realize that you got – because, you know, we have three teams, so you have 40 kids under you. Um, that's looking up to you. You realize that, and you can't, as a head coach, you can't afford to soak or come in with bad energy, or like you said, show you have gray hairs. You got to, you know, keep chopping away and take the problem, then be ready to make a find a solution or move on. Coach Combs, final questions, final thoughts. Yeah, Coach. One last thing. What are you looking forward to the most here as you head into your region play as you finish up? What are you most looking forward to? I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the opportunity to see my my guys just compete uh, each and every day against a tough region. You know, we're we're in one of the, the top regions in South Carolina, so uh, you know I'm excited to see these guys how they come to practice every day, how they um, you know attack attack these games because most region schools are can be considered our you know rivalries. So um, it, and you know these are typically your pat, your, your more packed games. So I'm excited just to see how the guys handle adversity. Uh, like I said, because I tell them every day, we're going to face adversity. You know, you don't know when it's going to come, but it's about how do we, you know, respond to it. So I'm excited to see, you know, it, are we a different team that knows how to take a, take adversity and let's see if we can move forward and um, and move forward in that and, you know, see how good this year gets. Uh, regionally, it's my – you know, the guy said in the locker room the other day, and I didn't realize, you know, you get so caught up in coaching. You know, they was like, hey, Coach, this is your first varsity region win. I said, oh, gosh. You know, I said, you, you know what yeah, it is, man. And they was like, man, we should have water. I said, no, please, no water. Please, no water. But it was, man, it's just, you know, I'm excited to see that, you know, this is a really loving group. So I'm excited to see them continue to grow and, uh, and how they handle everything. All right, Coach Combs, thank you. And Coach Robinson, thank you. Good luck to you this week. And Coach Combs, we thank you, sir. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night and remind everybody to check out information on the South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association, best plot, uh, best spot would be where on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, or on your uh, webpage. Yep, I'd say X, formerly Twitter. We're at 
SCBCA. Real simple. Very good. And the ratings come out every Tuesday, correct? Yes, sir. New rankings. Yes, sir. Guys, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week, Coach. Hey, thank you. Y'all take care. Thank you, too. And thank you, Trent. Good luck to you. Thank you. Coach John Combs, Coach Trent Robinson with us tonight here on Sports Talk, hooping and hollering on a uh, Wednesday night. Okay, we'll he update. He's, he's 26. Is yeah. that what he said? Yeah. Coach, wait. He didn't sound 26. He's an awfully mature young man. Yeah. Speaks well. He's got a good basketball team. Clemson down 25-20, 9-14 to play in the first half. Tigers shooting 47%, Tech 59%. Tigers being led by Shefflin so far with seven, and we'll be back. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint. That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, Go Outdoors SC in your app store. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win $50,000, $75,000, or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much, so get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second Chance odds depend on number of entries received. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, we roll into recruiting time here on Sports Talk. And our coverage brought to you by Seawells. 
Sea Wells with the Daily Luncheon Buffet. Once again, tomorrow, it's Thursday. Always an exciting time on a Thursday at Sea Wells. Daily Luncheon Buffet from 11 o'clock to 2. What do we have tomorrow and Friday? I believe this might be a new item or something just have not seen in a while at Sea Wells. But tomorrow, Thursday the 11th, teriyaki glazed salmon. Sounds amazing. And then southern fried chicken and pulled pork. And then rounding out the week Friday with a roast beef Friday, carved roasted sirloin of beef along with southern fried chicken and baked flounder fillets. And then yeah. don't forget all your local farm fresh veggies, salad bar, and dessert. Yeah, I've actually seen the Seawell folks down in the Congaree River catching those salmon uh, as they're jumping <laughs> through the rapids there. They're hand-catching them. That's the beautiful thing. They're not damaging, not hurting the animals. They're hand-catching them and tossing them up you know, to the staff and then taking them directly to the freezer. Can't get much fresher than that. Salmon out of the Congaree. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. (laughs) And for catering, that's Seawells as well, 803-771-7385. So, again, Greenville native, former Pitt and Oklahoma quarterback Davis Bevel, 6'6", 235. He's a big kid heading to USC, transfer, two seasons at Pitt, two seasons at Oklahoma. And he appeared in two games this past season for the Sooners, did not throw a pass. For his career, 339 passing yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. USC going after target receiver Gianni Contosis, 6 feet 191. He's from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, same high school as those two transfers into USC, Aaron Parks, Monkel Goodwine. And South Carolina is involved, Tennessee, Oregon, Maryland, Cincinnati, Pitt. He said are his other top offers right now. He does hear from those other two players about South Carolina. He had 52 catches, 1,065 yards, eight touchdowns last season. Defensive end, Zahir Mathis of Philadelphia, who had USC on his short list, committed to Ohio State. Safety Jordan Young of Monroe, North Carolina, will visit USC the 20th, Clemson the 27th, according to 24-7 Sports. Receiver Edward Coleman of Savannah has USC in his top six with Alabama, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, Tennessee. Defensive tackle Elijah Griffin of Savannah has set visits to Georgia the 13th, Clemson the 27th. USC target receiver David Rodriguez visiting West Virginia Saturday. Former Clemson receiver Brandon Spector transferring to Jacksonville State. That's right, he'll be a, a tiger to a Gamecock. Former Hammond running back C.J. Stokes transferring from Michigan to Charlotte and Vegas transfer quarterback Jaden Maeva flipped his commitment from Georgia to Southern Cal. Can't get them all, Bulldogs. We'll be back after the break. Clemson down 35-27. Chris, Tigers, struggles continue, giving up 62% shooting, 13 of 21 by Virginia Tech. They've got five threes, as does Clemson. But the Tigers are, um, they've given up nine points off turnovers. 
They're being out-rebounded 12-6. to six. Yeah. Only six recoveries for the Tigers here through 15 minutes, 14 minutes of the game. And they are down eight as halftime approaches. Yeah, and I'm playing very good defense again. I'm sure Brad Brownell's got to be scratching his head after he laid into them following the second half of the Miami game. And then you watch just a couple of moments ago as part of Virginia Tech's most recent run was three free throws as P.J. Hall, already with one personal foul, made a silly trying to get out and contest a shot, actually knocked the guy into the bench Ooh. and committed a foul. So he's on the uh, – he went to the bench with those two personal fouls. Probably he'll finish the first half on the sidelines. They can't win with P.J. Hall in foul trouble. Yeah. I saw that against North Carolina. He's got to play 30, 35 minutes for them to be successful, and he's not helping them at all when he's sitting on the bench. And Gerard continuing to struggle. He's 0 for 2 from the field and, and carryover from the other night against the Tar Heels when they struggled against the uh, – at least he did mm. – struggling to shoot the three. Yeah, at least as a team they're shooting it better than they yeah, did the other better. night, 5 yeah. of 9, but uh, yeah – uh, Hall's fouled out of two straight games. Can't can't have that continue. Thirty eight thirty, Tech five thirteen to play in the first half. Give you some other scores. Twenty eight eighteen, Mississippi State leading Tennessee down at the hump tonight. Wow! You got Miami thirty one twenty six over Louisville. Louisville's gonna how much longer can they stay with Kenny Payne there at Louisville? They're five and nine. They're zero and three. Probably gonna lose tonight. And Winthrop up on Presbyterian, 30-25. to Charleston Southern, 24. Gardner-Webb, 23. Wofford, 29. Mercer, 29. And Furman leads the Citadel, 35-30. A couple of other uh, major items to touch on. Then we're going to hear from Lamont Paris of the uh, Gamecocks. And if you want to jump on with us here for a comment or a question or an observation... Phone number is 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you into Sports Talk each and every night. So John Blau from the Post and Courier did a really in-depth story on Clemson's NIL. And just to kind of sum it up, he said the average deal, they did a bunch of FOI and got a bunch of papers Average deal for the collective Tiger Impact was $37,000 in the 2022 fiscal year. This is for all athletes. Contract with athletes totaled $2.4 million. Football accounted for 61% of NIL deals over two years. 91 deals exceeded $10,000 in 2022-23. So that's in the Post and Courier. And then Jordan Kay with the state, he did he did not disclose a bunch of numbers, but he did a inside look at the Garnet Trust, the collective at South Carolina, and actually how they do things. You know, the process, how they take a player and they go to the Rice Administration building, and it's actually Taylor Edwards, according to this story, it's Taylor Edwards, the director of player personnel who sits down with the player and his agent and his family and negotiates the deal. Of course, you're not supposed to be negotiating deals. We all know <laughs> that, right? We know that's not happening, but you're sure. not, but it is happening. Um, is that just for football or does he negotiate for all sports? No, that's just football. Okay. Yeah, that's just football. I guess every sport's got their negotiator. Got their own guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the Gamecock women could be without – Camilla Cordosa 
when they play UConn February 11th, according to uh, Dawn Staley, she's on the Brazilian national team, and they have a qualifying game between February 8th and February 11th, and that game's on February 11th. Uh, so that could be uh, that could be a big deal, but also a, that would be a big loss if she can't play. I understand why mm-hmm. she's not going to play, but that would be a huge loss for USC to not have her. But UConn announced today that uh, Aubrey Griffin, who's a graduate forward, is going to miss the rest of the season after a torn ACL in her left knee. Man, so I don't know. Is she one of their big players? I, that I don't know. I was yeah. just commenting on the fact that UConn has gone through – they have been besieged by injuries here the last couple of years. They have. They have. And let's see if there's anything else we want to tell you here. I got um, a funny story real yeah. quick I saw on Twitter. Uh-huh. I, I love – I've always loved Auburn-Alabama, the rivalry. Uh, the Auburn fans are currently rolling Tumor's Corner in, no. in honor of Nick Saban's retirement. Yes. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, let's see, a couple of other things. Uh, former USC quarterback Tanner Bailey announced today he's retiring from football. Giving it up. Mm-hmm. Florida State linebacker DJ Lundy has withdrawn from the portal, John. Probably headed back to uh, Tallahassee. Odds to win the national championship last uh, next season. Not last season. Next season from Bet Online, Georgia is 4-1. to one. Well, this was before Saban retired. Alabama was listed at twenty-three to four. Never heard of odds like that. Ohio State is eight to one. Texas is nineteen to two. Michigan is ten to one. Ole Miss twelve to one. Oregon twelve to one. Pending, of course, all the changes that will happen as a result of Saban's retirement. Clemson at thirty-three to one, and South Carolina at two fifty to one. The odds on. The uh, Heisman Trophy, Milrow seven to one, Beck fifteen to two, Ewers eight to one, Gabriel ten to one, and how about this, Klubnik and Uyunglele both twenty eight to one to win the Heisman mm-hmm. next year. Okay, last night South Carolina took it on the chin in the second half. Truly, a tale of two halves. South Carolina and Alabama. The Gamecocks were down by one at the break. And then they gave up a 13 nothing run to start the second half, and Alabama was off to the races, and they end up blowing out the Gamecocks. Here's Gamecock coach Lamont Paris talking about what happened. I thought we came out of the gates the way that we wanted to. It's probably almost the complete opposite of our last game, the Mississippi State game. We were running in mud for the first couple minutes, five, six minutes, and then we got it together and played. This one was the opposite. We played well early. And then uh, then just couldn't get anything going. First half, we did enough to be in a spot that was certainly acceptable. And then in the second half, we let some of our some of our lacks of success impact other aspects of the game. And, and they thrived on that and you know got it more in transition. They were getting more stuff in transition in the second half. They were feeling good, made some plays. And then when good players feel good, they make shots also. So you said earlier this year that you felt like your team would be in every game unless y'all just had an abysmal shooting night. Was that yeah. what this was, and what do you think led to that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was for sure. I, I thought, honestly, even in the first half, we were, I think we were three for whatever from three, and 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 still was a one-point game. I think in a normal, with a normal level of productivity, you're in a much better spot in the second half. And maybe that changes some things from a confidence standpoint. But, um, 
Well, yeah. So obviously we were in the game at that point. Um, and then I don't know why it was so contagious, whether it was what's riding on the game. I tell these guys, that's the beauty of this conference is that every game counts. Every one is a big game. And so, um, for whatever reason, it just, we, we, we did not perform well offensively. And then, like I said, that bled over into some other, and it was contagious throughout the whole team. And I read the numbers as we went down, there was some, I mean, two guys had acceptable field goal percentages, not counting Josh's one for one, two guys had acceptable field goal percentages and nobody else in the game did. So I, I don't know what to attribute it to. They're a good team. Um, so we just got to get to the next thing. Coach, on that same track, was there anything that Alabama did defensively uh, in the second half that really caused y'all tr- trouble? They were switching some stuff. We had a hard time getting the ball into the posts. I thought we looked fatigued a little bit, honestly. Um, and look at the minutes, and, and and I don't think we should have been based on how that breakdown went. But um, they switched some stuff, which which made it more difficult for us to get the ball into the post. We like to get the ball into the post. I think we settled for some jump shots. We got some mismatches. Um, and in 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 ways that we would normally attack, and we settled even at the last end of the first half, the very last our very last possession, they switch and they got a six eleven guy on Michi, and rather than attack, we shoot a bomb, and so I don't know, that's just kind of what we defaulted to today for whatever reason, but a lot of it was switching, and um, that's the benefit of switching, but there's some downsides to switching. You wouldn't know that by how we played today, but there are some downsides to switching and, and we've been able to take advantage of those in a lot of different games, including, like I said, in our last game. Yeah. What did Mark Sears do for them in the first half to keep them in that with you guys? He made plays. He's a good player. Uh, you know, he was aggressive. I don't even, I don't even see what his numbers were on the whole game, but it seemed like he was doing it all, but uh, had some nice finishes and won, made some strong moves, but, uh, but, they made some shots in the first half. Honestly, we did a good job defensively in the first half. Um, a couple breakdowns, but they made a couple shots that are normally the kind of shots that, you know, we try to encourage teams to make, and they made them. And that's why the game actually was where it was. And then in, you know, in the second half, it just it just was. But Mark Mark's a good player. He's a, he's You don't trip and stumble and fall your way into the numbers he's put up this year. He's a good player. They look for him. He creates in a lot of different ways for himself and for his teammates. He's unselfish. He can get shots and make buckets without pressing too much. So, good player. uh, You you just touched on the first half defense. That was the lowest point total Alabama's had in the first half this year. What what, what, what led to that and and what, what changed for them? Did you notice anything that changed for them? offensively yeah we got back in transition that was a big part of it we did a good job in the ball screens and and they're a good team they got it out of the ball screen and made some extra quick passes and that was kind of in the equation that we had that was that was one of the factors that we were going to they were going to do that and they did that a couple times and made some shots but more times than not you know they come down they get into early ball screen action very quickly and so we were committed to to not letting that first action be the action that really generated what they were going to do on the offensive end so we did a good job of that um and and in the second half it it, 
I, I tell you, it was more like the dog, the, the tail was wagging the dog. And because we had some offensive struggles, it felt like it bled over into what we were doing defensively, particularly in transition and fighting through some screens. I thought we did a really good job of fighting through some screens and chasing in the first half. We were locked in on things. Uh, we fell asleep a couple of times in the second half. I, I, I really do think for the first time, it was a real indication of our struggles on offense collectively bled into what we were doing defensively. Coach, y'all was a more physical team in the first half. Then everything shifted uh, in the second half. What was the, what was like the biggest change uh, for your team that stopped being as physical as it was in the first half? I, I'm telling you, the mind is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing, and if it's in the right places, you tend to do the things that you are focused on and concentrating on. And if it's in the wrong places, you don't. And just you just you do different things. You change what you're doing. Uh, you're thinking about something. Um, the performance that you're having, oh, the lead got down to that's up to seven now. Whatever you're thinking about, you're out there. You got to be focused on the mission at hand, and that's one possession. Um, and I thought we were there, but I just think, I think we had some poor play, and that bled into changed a lot of things. It changed minds. It changed where some guys' heads were at, and then I think what we were doing physically was just a byproduct of where we were at mentally. Okay, there you go, Lamont Paris. Now, there was a late game, not going to say incident, but a late game little flare-up on the floor with Michi Johnson and the player from Alabama, both drawing technical fouls. And both head coaches had something to say about that after the game. So here is Paris addressing a question about what happened at the end with those double techs. Me, me, you know, so here's Michi Johnson is not an instigator. I, I will say that when it comes to that, like this guy, uh, but they, he had struggled. Right. And that's what happens when you are a good player and you get into a hostile environment. They did. Everyone did exactly what they should do. Do the fans do the players were letting him know about it. He made a shot, I think right before that. And I'm sure they were letting him know about what the score was and all the kinds of things that young people do. And so Michi responded to it, but um, you know, I think his was a retaliatory technical foul, to be honest with you. And um, so they called it on the bench because that's what, who really instigated the interaction at all was, was, uh, was the bench. But so, but Michi responded and, and probably earned his tea. Earned his tea. Now here is Nate Oates coach at, Alabama, who went after uh, Paris did in the uh, order in the press conference. Uh, as he was asked a question as well about what happened at the end there with the double technical. Here's his response. They said that our our guys were kind of talking. I mean, there's a lot of talking. They, they, that run they came out of the uh, game 13, there was, their guys were yelling at our bench for – Whatever reason, I don't know. I mean, they made the statement the SEC isn't ready for them. I guess we'll see if the SEC is ready for them. But th- this SEC team was ready for them. So they, they, they were talking an awful lot during the game. I, I don't I don't condone us talking to the other team off the bench, but they, I, I heard what their guys were saying right out of the gate. So that quick 13-point run the uh, beginning of the game didn't, didn't last very long. Mm, okay, shots fired. From Stop with the virtue signaling, dude. You are the Kirby Smart of college basketball. You have no control of your program. You let a guy allegedly involved in a murder stay on your team last year, and now you're going to criticize another program. Stop it. 
I, I, and if, if Lamont Paris and USC was talking the way that uh, he alleged, then Coach Paris has got to get a hold on that. You, if you're going to talk, you better back it up. And mm-hmm. they certainly didn't in the second half. But I, I feel <laughs> I have no, no empathy for Nate Oates. Give me a break. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say I told you so because they might go on and have an excellent season. But I did say on Monday after the Gamecocks beat Mississippi State and we had people here ready to put them in the Final Four and they were mm-hmm. getting right. co-player right. of the week and coach of the week nationally. And I'm like, slow your mm-hmm. role here a little bit, people. I mean, they're a good team, but they have some very difficult games ahead of them. And that was one of them. And they got another one yeah. Saturday at Mizzou. So – That'll be an interesting one, too, Phil, because to see how they respond, because Mm -hmm, clearly they were outclassed in the second half, did not play defense, and and Coach hit it on the head. When good defensive teams don't see any results on the offensive end of the floor, it starts to affect their defense, and that's exactly what happened last night. question is now how do the Gamecocks respond, Mm -hmm. and that's how how you build a tournament-worthy team is you respond to bad performances like they had last night. But I, if, if I never hear another word from Nate Oates's mouth, it'll be too soon. <laughs> and I think a lot of the fans and myself uh, also on the show said this, that I think a lot of folks were just trying to – nobody was putting South Carolina in the Final Four. I, and I know you were saying that tongue-in-cheek. But a lot of us were just saying, let the guys enjoy the moment. Let them enjoy the fact that they're off to the best start in a number of years now and the fact that they are performing – incredibly higher than they were last year when at this point they were just having a, an abysmal start to the season. So I think that I, I get what you're saying, though, but just let the guys enjoy it a little bit, too. Well, listen, like I said, I live in Reelsville. Reelsville. <laughs> Reelsville, they're 13-2. and two. Reelsville. Well, Reelsville, they got beat by 40 last night. So, um, And Clemson is uh, in Reelsville because they're in real trouble right now. They are down 53-44 at 53-point half. Ordinarily, you score 44, you're feeling pretty good. And you shoot 55%, you're feeling pretty good. But you gave up 65%. 20 of 31, you gave up nine threes. You made seven. The other team hit nine. Uh, Brad Brunell is probably just chewing nails. I can't imagine. He's got to be. Because this is another bad half of defensive basketball, and that's what he cuts his teeth on. He's like Lamont Paris. They can score. They've got talent on the offensive end. But if they're not stopping anybody, they're not going to be a contender in the ACC, and they're not stopping a soul right now. Sean Padula. Sean Padula, ladies and gentlemen, 19 points, four three-pointers. And... Tyler Nickel, Tyler Nickel, 16 points and four three-pointers. So two guys have eight of the nine three-pointers for Virginia Tech in the first half. But let's see if Clemson can turn it around yeah. and I mean, make Clemson's it happen got three in the second guys, half. Three guys on the verge of double figures already. I mean, the offense is not the problem mm-hmm. at all. I mean, they're executing extremely well. They've got 10 assists on 16 made field goals. I mean, it's everything that Brad Brownell would want except P.J. Hall on the bench with two personal fouls. But defensively, good grief, they've got to get back to what they were doing uh, prior to this recent stretch. Hey, uh, a quick update on the uh, Davis Bevel story. Hale McGranahan in his story wrote that uh, he is coming in as a PWO, preferred walk-on at South Carolina. So... That means they'll still be recruiting. You know, Robbie Ashford, Hale reported, Robbie Ashford is scheduled to visit South Carolina, I think, on Friday, the former Auburn and Oregon quarterback. Now, he would be one, I guess, that you'd put on scholarship. So Bevel coming in as a PWO gives him another arm in the quarterback room. 
And a guy that are, threw for 7,000 yards in high school, 6,700 yards and 88 touchdowns in high school. Good you know. grief. So, uh, what are you, they running you got short on supper? scholarships? Uh, I mean, with all the I, transfers they, they have they coming in? They or? don't worry about that. <laughs> they just got to be at 85. Uh, you just got to be at 85 starts. by August. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. What you got on Saban? You got some news? This is interesting. Uh, whatever, Bama Recruiting 247, it's a, uh, it's a Twitter yeah. handle, and mm-hmm. he said that uh, he's being told by sources in Tuscaloosa that we will, I guess all of us, will know who the Alabama head coaching hire will be tomorrow. So you wonder if that means Saban, before he resigned or retired, said, look, this is who I want. This is my hand-picked successor, mm-hmm. and that's why they already have the guy ready to go. And if that's the case, that would lend me to believe, and this is not a knock on Dabo Sweeney, but he doesn't have the you know, coaching tree under, da- under Nick Saban. So it would lend me to believe it's somebody who's worked at Alabama before, don't you think? Well, if it's happening that fast, and we haven't heard a name at an established head coaching situation, a guy who's already a head coach somewhere, mm-hmm. who, uh, let's go look at his staff. Who on his staff – could be promoted. Is there somebody on his staff that could be promoted? Wow. Or That's a great question. Or or somebody a big name unemployed, Jimbo Fisher. I'm going to tell you. Meyer. I'm going to laugh all the way to the bank when it's Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> if you're right, yeah. Because if it's if that's true and it's Lane Kiffin, well, the news in Mississippi'd be all over the place. We'd know you about would, it. You would think. Yeah, you would think so. Um Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, because I don't think Kiffin could keep his mouth shut for 24 hours, could he? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, there's no way. That's just who he is. Let's see who he could promote. Well, Kevin Steele's uh, retiring. You know what? We should have seen it then. We should have seen it then. Tommy Chris, Reese? Chris, Chris, uh, no. No. Um, former Gamecock running back Robert Gillespie. How about former Gamecock? He's got three former Gamecock assistants on the staff. Maybe the three of them. I take that back. He's got four. Joe yep. Cox, Robert Gillespie, Coleman Hutzler, and Eric Wolford, four mm-hmm. former Gamecocks on that staff. Maybe the four of them will morph into the head coach. <laughs> oh, I, 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 no, no, Freddie Roach never – no, he did, he wasn't the one that came to Carolina for a few days. Oh, wait a minute. Make that five. Travoris Robinson. Yeah. Holy cow, I did not realize – they had that kind of uh, influence on the staff. If five former Gamecock coaches are coaching at Alabama, why didn't they win more games in Columbia? <laughs> in I mean, that is a legitimate question. Staff. Too many cooks yeah. in the kitchen? I don't know. I mean, that's just – if Nick Saban loves you that much, five of them that coached at South Carolina. So uh, – How about Bill O'Brien? Yeah, I thought about that. He's up with the – didn't he go still back with to the, the Patriots? Patriots? Yeah, he's he's still there as their offensive coordinator. And I just still think back to – he was only there for, what, one year or two years at Penn State? A um, couple years, couple couple three years after the uh, – he came, he was the one that followed Paterno, right? Didn't he right. follow that situation? Uh, do we want, want to take the call before we uh, sign off? we got time? Uh, uh, you have exactly one minute. Let's go to uh, – who are we going to? Squeeze him in real quick. Oh, you're not in the sheet. Uh, I don't think Sooner Bob. Yeah, it's Sooner Bob. Oh, in Sooner, Bo- Sooner Bob. Oh, Sooner Bob. Welcome. How are you? <laughs> How are you? Man, where you been? I've been hiding. I've been hiding. Um, I hear y'all got one of our uh, one of our quarterbacks, if you really want to call him a quarterback. <clears throat> quarterback, Davis Bevel. That's correct. He was a quarterback. 
he was. So mm-hmm. you were quoting um, how many yards that he got in high school. What was that? That was like five, six years ago, right, Myrtle uh, Beach? 6,700 yards at Greenville High. Greenville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was only – that was four years ago. He spent two years at Pitt and two years at uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, he struggled at OU, guys. I'm just telling you, if, if y'all make it to him, then then y'all are in some deep trouble. Sooner, Bob, it's always good to have good comments from you here on Sports Talk. Hate to cut you short. We got to run. But thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Pat. See you tomorrow, everybody. Uh-huh.